out to a fight or something. <laughs> this is like the last weekend of 2019. I mean, we get, to, we get to close out the decade together. How cool is that? This is like the last service of the decade. Where'd that time go, man? You guys are getting old. <laughs> Did you know that this is, this is notoriously the most unattended service of every year? So you guys deserve a round of applause because you got to be like the most committed. Right? <laughs> it's your first time here, man. We're excited you decided to end the year off with us. Today is going to be cool because we got our elementary kids in us. How many elementary kids we got in here today? Y'all get to yell in church and that's all we get? Ooh. Ooh. Y'all are worse than that at Halloween. Let's try it again. How many elementary kids we got in here today? That's still lame, but I'm going to let you slide with that one. <laughs> wow. Anyway, <laughs> the cool thing about the elementary kids in here is you never know what's going to happen, right? <laughs> Just like this. And we're ending this series on how to know whether Christmas is true or not, right? So if you came and you had doubts or you had questions about God, about the Bible, about, about Jesus, that's great, man. This, is, this, this here is a place for you. And I want to encourage you to start off the new year with us too because next weekend we're going to be doing our vision talk. And you're going to be hear about, hearing about some great plans here at South Point and, and the vision for 2020. So make sure you come back. Make sure you bring your friends because I think everybody wants to be a part of something bigger than themselves, right? A big vision with, with real impact. So come back next week. I mean, next year, next month, next decade, the next service, whatever. <laughs> We've been presenting evidence all month, right? We've been trying to find out the, the real truth about Christmas. Right? And so far, we've, we've discovered that the, all the eyewitnesses' accounts found in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, these things are actually true, they're reliable, and they're trustworthy. We found out that all the archaeological evidence is actually stacked up in favor of and supports the Christmas story in the Bible. And it also proves that Jesus is more than just a religious leader, right? He's more than just a great teacher, a great prophet, or a moral example. He's literally like God in the flesh. And if you missed any of those messages, man, I encourage you to go back and listen to them or watch them online or even listen to the podcast. But to start today, I want to have a little fun. We're going to play a little game with the whole family. Since we got the whole family together, we're going to play a game called Real or Fake. So this side of the auditorium is a team, and this side of the auditorium is a team. And you don't win nothing. <laughs> we're going to throw some pictures up there, and you have to decide whether these Christmas trees are real or fake. So you guys are going to go first. This is the first one. Is it real or fake? Real. <laughs> it's real. All right, now this set. Is this real or fake? Yeah. All right, I heard fake. Good. All right, that's better. See how they did that in unison? Let's try it again. This side, real or fake? Real. All right, you got that one. This side? Is it real or fake? I heard fake. You guys are good, man. Wow, that's impressive. All right, this side, real or fake? I heard fake. Oh, uh-oh. These guys are taking, they don't win nothing, but they're taking the lead. <laughs> Real or fake? fake? I heard fake. Oh. All right, your guys' turn. Real or fake? fake? I heard fake. All right, it's fake. Fake is not a word. <laughs> All right. Real or fake? I heard real. Fake. All right. We got any more? One more on each side. Real or fake? Real. I heard real. 
All right, you guys got one more chance, real or fake? You heard real. Ouch. Some of you are apparently like tree investigators or something, man. I don't get it. Think about this. How do you know whether something is real or fake? I mean, you know how the government trains their agents, right, when it comes to fake money and finding counterfeit money, right? They don't waste their time studying all the counterfeits, all the different, the different ones. They study the real thing. If you learn the feel of real money, you learn how to f- spot all the little intricacies, then you can easily spot a fake no matter what kind of fake it is. You ever tried to fake out your brother and sister, like when you were younger, and phone rings, and, hey, it's dad. (laughs) And it worked for, like, a word. (laughs) But if it ever went past one or two words, you were busted, right? You ever got in trouble for something you didn't do? I know I did, because I got a younger brother, and he was a brat. Nobody? Just me? (laughs) All right, I see, like, four in the back. You know, unfortunately, there's people that have been sent to prison for something they they didn't do, right? They're innocent. But here's a little fun fact. First fingerprint evidence ever used to convict somebody was in 1910. There was a murder, and a known criminal was found with all kinds of circumstantial evidence, but they didn't have enough evidence to convict the guy. They needed more, right? They found four fingerprints in freshly painted railing, and those fingerprints were the exact match for him, and he was later convicted. So today, I want to kind of ask the same question about Christmas. How do we know that Jesus is the real deal? I mean, we think he is, and we believe he is, but how how do we know? Christmas, according to the Bible, is all about Jesus. But is it counterfeit or is he, is he the real Savior? How do we find that fingerprint evidence? How do we find that evidence that we can, beyond, beyond a shadow of a doubt, be 100% sure? Conclusive evidence that Jesus is who he said he was. First thing we got to do is take, take from the feds, right? You study the original. So let's study Jesus. Let's see who Jesus was. The angels tell the shepherds, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you, and he is the Messiah, the Lord. Joseph, his earthly dad, was told, she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. His mother Mary is told, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. See, from the very beginning, Jesus is called the Messiah, which means he is Lord, right? He's the Savior. He's the anointed one. He will save his people from their sins. He is the son of the Most High God, and he's going to sit on the throne of David for, for eternity over this kingdom forever. See, way back in Genesis, right, right before Adam and Eve actually sinned, They disobeyed God by eating the one tree that he told them not to eat from, right? God says to the serpent, the serpent's the one who deceived him and tricked him. He said, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. He says that he's going to send offspring to crush the head of the serpent. You know, Moses, Moses was the first prophet, probably the greatest leader in all of Israel. And he said, the Lord your God will raise up from you a prophet like me from among you, from your fellow Israelites. You must listen to him. Moses is the greatest name in all Israel other than God himself. There is no one greater than Moses. And yet Moses himself says Jesus is coming. See, the Jews, the Jewish people have been waiting for centuries for this promised prophet, for this this Messiah to come along to crush the head of their enemy, to save them from their sins, right? Israel's waiting for a Messiah, and then Jesus is born in this Jewish community. 
So it's kind of like people with a really kid, with a kid that's like a really good athlete. Oh, he's going to be the next Michael Jordan, or he's going to be the next Wayne Gretzky. And most times they never even come close. So let's look at Jesus and see if he even comes close. Is Jesus the Messiah that's going to save us from our sins or not? I want to present some evidence to find out the verdict. The verdict is because Jesus is Messiah, he alone meets our needs for a Savior. So what I want to do today is I want to, I want to show you some evidence that God gave the Israelites to make sure beyond a shadow of a doubt that they could spot the real from the fake. See, no one cared more about us finding the Messiah than God. So, of course, he gave us everything we were going to need to be able to spot the real deal, right? And to be able to spot the fakes as well. He gave us more than four dozen major prophecies in the Old Testament that are like fingerprints for us to prove it. And these prophecies are, are the original. They're the real dollar bill that we can study so that we can make sure we can spot fakes. And all the prophecies were written before Jesus. Some of them were even written 2,000 years before he was even born. Now, we can't go through all of them, but I just want to go through a couple of them. Let's talk about Jesus' genealogy. 2 Samuel says, When your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your flesh and your blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he will be my son. The Messiah has to be kinfolk to David. He has to come from that lineage, right? He has to be a relative the greatest king of Israel. He must be related to David in order to be the Messiah. If he's not, he's not. How about his birthplace? Micah says, but you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come from me one who will be ruler over Israel whose origins are from of old, of ancient times. The Messiah had to be born in Bethlehem. And Bethlehem was this tiny, tiny little village, but he had to be born there. How about his matter of birth? He had to be born of a virgin. Isaiah says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and we'll call him Emmanuel. I mean, that's kind of a big one, right? They ha he had to have been born a virgin. And parents, you know what that means. I'm just going to kind of leave it at that. But that ancient scroll of Isaiah was discovered in 1946 and preserved in a jar in a cave near the Dead Sea. It dated back long to before the time of Christ, so it was truly prophetic. How about number four? He would be betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. There was a prophet by the name of Zechariah who was telling the nation a prophecy from God, and within his vision he said this, And the Lord said to me, Throw it to the potter, the handsome price at which they valued me. So I took 30 pieces of silver and threw them to the potter at the house of the Lord. How about the manner in which he would die, the manner of his death? Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, and he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. See, the Messiah would have to suffer, right? He would have to be afflicted. He would have to literally be pierced for our iniquities. Number six, his bones would not be broken. That seems like a weird one to me. It's kind of odd, right? It's random. But he was pierced and his bones still weren't broken. Psalm says the righteous person, talking about Jesus, may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. He protects all his bones. Not one of them will be broken. 
Not one of his bones. And here's another big one. He, has to be, he had to be resurrected. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure because you will not abandon me in the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful one see decay. See, throughout the whole Old Testament, there are more than 60 major prophecies about the coming Messiah. And all of them have to be met and all of them have to be true in order for Jesus to be the true Messiah. See, God gave us more than four fingerprints. He gave us over 60. Why is this so important? Watch this video and find out. How do you know what's true is really true? That's where the evidence comes in. Christ's offer to turn you into a new person is real if his claim to be God is true. So let's consider the evidence of eight prophecies proving his claim is true. Do you know what the probability factor is of only eight prophecies being fulfilled in Jesus? No. A one in 10 to the 17th power. One in 10 to the 17th power. Huh? That's one in 10 to this many times. I don't get it. If you were to take 10 to the 17th power Girl Scout Thin Mint cookies. How many? That's over a quintillion cookies. And spread them across the state of Texas. Yeehaw! They would cover every inch of the state and form a pile of Girl Scout Thin Mint cookies two feet deep. That's a lot of Thin Mints. A whole lot of Thin Mints. Now take one more Thin Mint and lick all the chocolate off, toss it into that pile and stir the whole thing up. Blindfold yourself, walk the entire state from Amarillo to Laredo, stopping just once to stoop down and pick a single blind Thin Mint cookie. Got it. Take off the blindfold. Aw, nuts. The chances of you picking the chocolateless cookie is the same as the chance that one person could have fulfilled just eight prophecies about Jesus in one lifetime. That's crazy. It's unthinkable. But Jesus Christ did not fulfill eight prophecies in one lifetime. Whoa. He fulfilled over 300. 300, girl! Whoa. 300. That is insane to me. Jesus fulfilled over 300 prophecies, which puts that number of probability in the realm of impossibility. The evidence demands that we answer the question who Jesus is because it's humanely impossible. It's more than just reasonable proof that Jesus is the Messiah. Are you still a skeptic? It's okay, man. Maybe, maybe you think it was just a coincidence, right? And some try to say that it's merely just coincidental, but yet the odds are just completely against this. A naive argument once you realize the evidence. Maybe you think the gospel's been altered, right? Maybe the gospel writers got together and they changed the gospels a little bit. They fabricated things to make it look like, you know, Jesus was the Messiah. They added stuff to kind of match up with the prophecies of the Old Testament. But here's the problem with that. When they wrote the Gospels, there was people still alive. There was eyewitnesses still there, and they could have called them out if it wasn't true. The Jewish community would have jumped at a chance to disprove or discredit Jesus, wouldn't they have? The Jewish Talmud, the, the Jews who wanted to discredit Jesus and his followers, never once claimed the fulfillment of prophecies was falsified. How about intentional fulfillment? Maybe you think that Jesus, you know, he studied the Old Testament, he knew it really well, and 
He knew all the prophecies, and he did everything he could to kind of line his life up to make sure he fulfilled all those prophecies. There's just three problems with that. Number one, the 30 pieces of silver. He wasn't there for that, to be able to decide how much money it would be given, right? How about the broken legs and the Roman soldiers gambling for his clothes? See, there's no no way that Jesus could align this up since the Roman soldiers decided not to break his legs after he was dead. How about where he was born or what family he was born in? A lot of people might want to switch families, but they don't have a choice. And Jesus didn't either. He didn't have a choice of what family. He didn't have a choice of where he was going to be born. Or maybe you think the whole thing was just taken out of context. Maybe these prophecies were taken out of context and we've just misinterpreted them. Yet every single time people put the prophecies and the interpretation to the test, they're found to be accurate. And one of the most common ones is the virgin birth. In Isaiah, the Hebrew word used is Alma. And some people would say that it literally means young woman. If they really meant to use the word virgin, they would have used Bethula. But the word Bethula could also refer to a widow or could refer to a, a divorced woman who's not a virgin. And the word Alma is actually never used of a non-virgin. So it's actually the best word. It's the most accurate and also the easiest to understand. See, all of this evidence is, is overwhelming and it's staggering. And it demands our attention because if it's true, it's a lot more than just circumstantial. It seems to be the very fingerprint evidence that we're looking for. To make the verdict that because Jesus is the Messiah... He alone meets our needs for a Savior. And my challenge is for you. If you're still a skeptic, that's okay. Keep searching. Don't take my word for it, but do me a favor. Don't take your pastors or your rabbis or that author or the Internet's word for it either. Study it. Research it yourself. But do me one more favor before you do. Ask God to show you whether Jesus is the Messiah or not. You know, a great place to start doing that is to join a small group. I mean, this is a great place to come. Sometimes you can learn a thing or two, but it's only one way, right? There's no interaction. But in a small group, you get to ask questions. You get to tell stories. You get to get to know each other. I mean, that's where true life happens is in groups, right? All the kids in the room, if you come back next week, you get to experience a group as well. You'll get the best of both worlds. A large group with games and music and fun activities. You can be in a small group. If you're a high school or middle school student, we would love to invite you to our one night on January 5th and 12th. This month is like a live video audience, studio audience of the Not So Late Show. It's a one-time experience that you're not going to want to miss. You're going to want to make sure you bring your friends to as well. And for all the adults in the room, we got new group season starting on January 26th. Come back and take a chance on a group. Man, what do you got to lose? might just change your life. One last proof I want to mention is this. Does it work? Every product promises something, right? And most of them don't even deliver. If you buy this car, the girls are going to love you. If you wear the right clothes, you're going to have tons of friends. If you just get a job, everything's going to be okay. What about Christmas? It offers peace. It offers joy. It offers forgiveness. It offers hope. And it offers eternal life. Can Jesus fix a broken marriage? Yeah, he can. Can he help somebody come off drugs? Yep, I've seen it happen. Can he bring you hope? He has in my life, and I'm sure millions of others would say the same. 
And we want you to know that peace that, that comes from making peace with the Heavenly Father. I mean, we may not all believe the same thing, but we're humans. We struggle the same struggles. And the good news of Christmas is that God became human just for a little while to do something for us that we couldn't do for ourselves. Father God, thank you so much for loving us. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for what you're doing at South Point, what you're doing in this community, what you're doing in your church. I thank you for every single person in here. I thank you for the people that aren't here. I thank you for those that are volunteering, those that are serving, those that came here for the first time. I thank you for every single one of them. God, it is an honor to even be able to serve you, and we are so grateful for that. But Father God, I just ask you to allow your Holy Spirit to fill this room, and if there is anybody that doesn't know you yet, I ask you to be with them. I ask you to give them a comfort and a peace to be able to do something about it today. God, we love you so much, and it's uncomprehendable to be able to have a relationship with you. But if there's anybody that doesn't have that, I ask you to be with them today so that they can change that. In Jesus' name, amen. These holiday seasons, man, sometimes they can be the best times, and sometimes they can be the worst times. And during this next song, there's going to be people that are up front. And they're here because they love you, and they're here because they want to help you. And if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, do something about it. I don't want to scare anybody. It's not the whole intention of this. There's going to come a time when we die and we stand before God and we're going to know that God's for real, Satan's for real, heaven's for real, hell's for real. But man, it's not about that. It's about I get that relationship with God. It's uncomprehensible. But I get to. And it's not just somebody I pray to and it's not just a statue, it's a relationship. so much.